Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. We're now in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. It's a study in the book of Luke, and as we explore the life of Jesus, we also examine our own journeys shaped by him. Okay, guys, this is a safe space, right? Um, I like, I like think about food a lot, like a lot, a lot. Um, I low-key may have been already thinking right now about how at three o'clock there's a Bengals game. I've got my colors. Um, I'm already thinking about the snacks that I want to eat. Um, I wake up in the morning and I'm coffee and my banana are on my mind and just my days just kind of consist of this rhythm of like, what am I eating next? I don't know. Food is just on my mind. And perhaps, perhaps subconsciously, that is why we're in the book of Luke. Because, I mean, just per page in the, in the Bible, more meals with Jesus per page of any other book in the Bible. So I think I was drawn to Luke, feeling it, connecting, so glad Jesus eats. And glad he eats meals with others. But the thing is, he always has more to the story. He's not just eating food, right? He's connecting with people. He uses the table. He uses the scenario to really dig into people's lives. He wants to challenge them. He wants to get deeper into their minds and hearts. And there's something comfortable about hanging out and having a meal with people. And you do. You get to know each other and you get to share your lives together when you've got food in place. So today, we've got not one, but two meals with Jesus. And we're just gonna, we're just gonna dig right in. So we're in the journey of the redeemed. And this section is called Strengthen the Feeble, Steady the Knees. Because in every situation, we're gonna kind of see people who are they're like, they're still growing, right? They're, they still need to be a little bit more steady on their feet. And Jesus is at every turn. He's just like, all right, here, just take this next step in your faith. You've got this. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 9. And actually, there's a little bit of an, inter, an interlude before we get to the meal. We've got these few verses here that are just kind of stuck in between two stories. So we're going to start there. Verse 7 of Luke chapter 9 says, when Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about everything Jesus was doing, he was puzzled. Some were saying that John the Baptist had been raised from the dead. Others thought Jesus was Elijah or one of the other prophets risen from the dead. And he said, I beheaded John, so who is this man about whom I hear such stories? And he kept trying to see him. This is kind of a strange story because, so what has come before this is what we talked about last week, that Jesus did not retain the power of God's spirit to heal and and the authority to teach. He didn't keep that for himself, right? We were reassured last week that that spirit is here among us. And Jesus told 12 guys, these 12 guys he's trying to mentor and develop into leaders, And he said, I want you to go out. And so that's what they've been doing. And as they're going out and spreading the word in village and village about Jesus, more people are talking about him. And now he's on Herod's 
radar. The sad news is that we found out what happened to John. Because before Christmas, we ended John's narrative in the book of Luke. And we saw him sitting in prison. And he was just sitting in all of his thoughts and his doubts and his fears. And Jesus reassured him. But John never left that jail cell. In the book of Matthew, chapter 14, if you want to read the whole story, Herod Antipas threw a big party. And as a party favor, someone requested that John's head be put off his body onto a platter on a display, on a humiliating display. And that's where John's story ends. It's heartbreaking to know that that's where his life and his ministry ended. But so Herod has done all of these things and he's just like, you know, anybody that speaks any word against him, you know, he's putting them out of his way. And now Jesus is on his radar. So we're going to get back into these, these pieces as we get closer to Easter. We're going to keep seeing more and more glimpses of why. Why was Jesus a threat to people? And so here we just have this little teaser, this little foreshadowing. And we'll, we'll come back to more later. Now... I'm ready to eat. How about you? Sorry, we don't have any actual food served today. I wanted to do it. COVID gets in the way. Okay. If I was reading this story to you on a non-COVID time, I would have a snack. Okay. But let's pretend. Pull out your picnic blankets. When the apostles returned, the return from all of these amazing things, right? They've been going village to village, teaching and healing. When they returned from that, they told Jesus everything they had done. And then he slipped away quietly with them toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where Jesus was going. They followed him. He welcomed them, taught them about the kingdom of God, healed those who were sick. So already notice, the disciples are like, yes, we're getting some time with our rabbi. We're hanging out together. He's like taking him on a little retreat. Let's just go over here. People found out. But did Jesus push him away? No, he, he welcomed them. He's like, okay, this wasn't in our plan, but okay, we'll, we'll talk anyway. So he's teaching them, and then late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, hey, you've been, you've been talking a while, God. Okay, that's not in the Bible, but basically they're saying, hey, can you send the crowds away to the nearby village? Like, it's dinner time. And they need to find food and lodging for the night. There's nothing to eat here in this remote place. And Jesus said, why don't you feed them? But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Are you expecting us to go buy food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. And we have to note that that was, that was the males counted in the crowd. We don't even know how many. There might have been double that with women, children. And Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves of bread they had, the two fish, and he looked up toward heaven, and he thanked God. He blessed them. Then he broke the loaves into pieces. He kept giving the bread and the fish. He just kept breaking and kept giving and kept breaking more off, and it just kept coming. And every time he'd hand it to the disciples, and they could go distribute it to the people. Everyone ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples, they even picked up leftovers, 12 baskets full. Leftovers after all of that. So 
this was one of my favorite stories growing up in church as a kid, maybe because it was about a picnic, maybe because we always got snacks. This is what I was going to like share with you if we had been able to eat today, because you know, goldfish, right? They multiply. They're always everywhere when you feed them to a child, right? You step on them. There's leftover, <laughs> but there's goldfish. And that's what I think of like, I'm, you know, leave, learning as a kid, this awesome miracle, so let's, let's look at it from an adult perspective. What are we going to learn from this today as adults? Well, first, I want us to note some interesting words that are used in the original language. For instance, when Luke talks about how this has gone on, like how long in the day that Jesus has been teaching this crowd, he says, we have the translation late in the afternoon. But actually, the original language meant the day began to recline. Don't you love that? The day began to recline. And if you remember, when we visualized what eating a meal in Jesus' day looked like at a table, what did people do? They reclined. And we've got this image that we saw before, how when Jesus was at someone's table, they would recline. So Luke's given us this little hint of like, it's time to recline. Food is on their minds. And when Jesus says to go and put them into groups, tell people to gather into groups. He says, tell them to recline in groups of 50. Like, get ready. It's mealtime together. Now, when Jesus initiated this miracle, he did some things with the bread. And the very wording here is supposed to be in our minds because you might have heard similar description of Jesus if you've ever read any descriptions Jesus at the Last Supper says he took bread. He thanked God for it. He broke it and he gave it to his disciples. We're supposed to feel this hint here. That's what Jesus is doing. This supper, this giving, this thanking, and this passing out to his disciples. Okay, so why did Jesus, you can flip to a blank slide here, why did Jesus do this miracle? So, I mean, Honestly, if Jesus had said, like, okay, it's been great. We've had a lot of great conversations. It's dinner time. Head on out. Go find your way. That's not, there was nothing wrong with that. It doesn't seem like they were super far from a town, so I don't feel like there's dire circumstances here, like he had to provide for them or else. So this miracle is probably about something else. You know, maybe on our first glance, we'd say it's God providing Later, we'll read that Jesus spoke the Lord's Prayer, where he said, give us this day our daily bread. He's demonstrating that God's providing that. He's already told us, blessed are the hungry, for they will be filled. So he's fulfilling words here, right? So that's what the people are seeing. But today, I want us to look at those 12 guys. What did they get out of this? Because there's other things we can learn from this same story. And if Jesus is trying to shape these 12 to become the leaders they need to be, let's see what he's doing in their lives. The disciples, they've just come back from probably like a mountaintop experience. Like, Jesus, we went out and like they they probably healed somebody for the first time. Can you imagine the joys that they saw God at work through their own fingers? They saw God at work through words that they spoke and they watched like people's minds change. 
Can you imagine the joy there? This has been exciting, and they are ready to come back and to talk to Jesus about it, right? Because he's their mentor, he's their rabbi, he taught them everything they knew. And, And you feel that way sometimes, right? If someone's ever taught you something and has been a presence in your life, isn't it exciting if they can get to see you do the thing they taught you to do, right? Somebody taught you how to play an instrument, wouldn't you want to play a song for them? And you get really excited because they were like, look, you believed in me, and I did it. Like, so this is the attitude that they are having. They're very excited. They're just like, I just, let's just hang out together and share stories. What village did you go to? Let's talk about it. Like, this is fun. And then now they got interrupted. They got interrupted. And they're probably like, okay, here's what I imagine. I imagine that they're like, okay, we just were with people, like with people and more people, and more people. And so you just sometimes need a break from people. That's natural. That's human. We all feel that. And maybe, again, they were like, Jesus is getting so popular. Like, the time that they have with him on their own is probably less and less right now. And maybe they were just hungry, and they're like, I don't want to deal with feeding everyone. I just want to eat myself. (laughs) This is not what I planned in the day. I did not think I was going to have to deal with thousands of other people right now. Yet Jesus, he wants these 12. He's like, you guys, this is leadership. We got our highs and we got our lows. We get the things we love to do. Like you guys are loving going out there. You're enjoying teaching. Sometimes you got to feed people. Sometimes things are not the most comfortable job in the world and you get to do it. That's what Jesus is like, hey guys, this is, this is your turn. And I love this, that here I see what Jesus is demonstrating is he's like, let's, let's host this meal together. We got a problem, we need to figure it out, a solution. Got to react. This is what ministry is about too. We got to provide for the physical as well as the spiritual. And so I love that Jesus does this in verse 16. It says he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so they could go take it to the people. Like, hey, come here. Go, go. Keep going. She's like, we're doing this together. We're serving together. You're figuring it out. Maybe they're rolling their eyes a little. Who knows? But he was teaching them that hospitality, right? Remember when we talked about he went to Simon's house and had no hospitality there? Like, this was a value. Jesus was like, you got to do these things, the basics. You got to do the things that maybe nobody else wants to do. Sometimes you got to do it. So I want to tell you that I have a mentor in my life who's helped me a lot as I'm trying to be a minister. That was it's a new gig for me for the past couple of years. And sometimes I just go and I'm just like, I feel really good and confident about this, but this part of my job, like, bleh throw it out the window. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel awkward. It's ridiculous. And my mentor says, you got to take the blessings and the burdens. And that's kind of what I see Jesus demonstrating here to the disciples. Like, the blessing is you get to go out and you're enjoying this, being with people and healing and teaching. Well, The burden might be you don't know how to deal with massive amounts of food and people and crowds. Got to deal with that too. Sometimes you got to deal. 
Sometimes you have to do serving and, and you got to do the little tasks, the annoying tasks. I've said that this church has demonstrated to me leadership before I ever came, before I ever came on staff. We've got Dylan, your worship pastor, Shante, kids pastor back there, Steve and Eric, who are elders. Every single one of them have clean toilets in this building. Is that on their job description? Nope. Nowhere in the fine print. I have looked. But I've learned that ministry has got a lot more toilets in it than I thought. <laughs> These amazing leaders, they will shovel snow on the, on the days. They will show up early. They will fix the things that are broken in this building. They will show up to your house and they will bring you a meal. They will help you paint a wall in your house. They will do the things that's not in the job description. They'll just do what needs to be done, whatever it takes, blessings and burdens. But I hope also they're the same people you want to call and invite to a party that you're hosting, to go out and get coffee with you, to just text them and say, look what happened. This amazing thing happened in my life, and I hope that they are some of the same people that you think to share those joys with because they're also the ones praying for you praying for you. They think about you a lot. I'm in those conversations. You are on their hearts. They carry with you. Because Jesus says in Galatians 6 2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So the leaders here in our church are doing the, the things that are comfortable and the things that are uncomfortable, but I see it in you too. And you didn't sign up for any position. But there's a lot of people in here who've vacuumed some floors and cleaned some toilets and taken a meal to each other and prayed for one another. That's what we're, that's what we're doing, all of us. It doesn't matter what our title is. Jesus is like, if you're going to follow after me, then this is what I'm doing. Jesus was serving in the ways that you could see, in the ways that were amazing and, and spectacular, and in the ways that were just quieter, just providing for the needs. All the things that we do as a body of believers, as a family of God, we do it for Jesus' glory that matters. It matters. Okay, let's move to our next meal in Luke chapter 10. Jesus is going to visit a home going to have a meal and we're going to learn another lesson. Okay, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, Luke 10 verse 38, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. This is another story that's very familiar in my life. I've read it many, many times. And here's a few highlights I want us to note. 
Number one, Martha was hosting Jesus as a missionary. Just as the disciples had gone out into villages and Jesus said, don't take money, don't take food, go and knock on doors and let people invite you into their homes, let them into the ministry, right? We said that providing for other people was inviting them into ministry. Jesus has invited Martha into ministry here. She's ministering as host. She's being that hospitality value that we said. She's doing a great job providing food. And can you imagine all the food she must have had to provide? Jesus and his disciples, it says, came. Guys, have you ever fed guys? You are guys? How hungry do you get? How much food really satisfies you? That's probably a lot of food she had to work on by herself. No wonder she's like, hey, Mary, lend a hand. Come on, we got a lot of food to fix. But Martha's actions, the verb used here is, again, this word we've learned earlier about ministering, serving, deaconizing, where we get the word deacons of deacons and elders and churches. That's what Martha's doing here. It says that she's, she's serving. She's being part of this ministry. Also, I think it's funny that she's the one that said right to Jesus, like, tell her to do this. Like, like, who talks to Jesus this way? We don't see that very often, but he seems to take it okay here. So we learn in, in the book of John that he's good friends with Mary and Martha, and I don't know if this was, gave her the permission to do so, or if this incident kind of drew them closer together. But Jesus responded, and you know what he did? His words here, his words here, was saying, like, Mary's doing this thing. He didn't say what Martha was doing was bad. He probably is ready for food, too. He knew food needed to be made. Hosting was good. But he's like, okay, you can take a break from that now. You've, you've done the things. You're invited into something else. You're invited to pause that and come listen. Come learn. Jesus knew what Martha didn't know was that They didn't have a lot of days together left. His time on earth was was getting closer. He wanted that time with Martha. And you know what? If she was going to be a follower of Jesus, she still had things to learn. Gain wisdom. Be prepared. If you're going to share about Jesus as a disciple, learn the things from Jesus, right? Now here's an interesting piece, though. Because what we may not know was that it says Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet. That phrase means that she's sitting at a rabbi's feet to learn, just like the other disciples. She's learning God's word, not just sitting and listening to stories. She's learning to learn, and she's learning to go and be a disciple. Because we see that Jesus had in his entourage Remember, we've already read in Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, that women were part of this group too. So they're going to be tasked to share about Jesus. So you've got to learn in order to share. So Mary is like in the discipleship process right here. She's sitting and learning in order to go and share with others. So Jesus is inviting Martha out from doing the things that may have been expected of her and into something Maybe that was new to her to say, like, you get to learn too. And so it may not have been, like, the most prominent message here, but I want us to just notice 
In Jesus' actions, he creates a beautiful picture. With the 12 disciples, he was like, guys, you can still serve. With Martha, he's like, you can serve and you get to learn too. So men and women, are everyone's invited to serve, everyone's invited to learn. And I know that we might be in spaces with some friends who are still struggling with what to do with men and women in church. And I kind of I kind of forget that that's a thing sometimes because here at Echo, we don't, we don't have that thing. We don't have the, that barrier. But I just love to read what Jesus is doing and just showing how he's like, yep, everybody's here. Everybody's serving. Everyone gets to learn. I didn't want to overlook that note. But what I really love reading these two stories together, because I don't really know that I've looked at both of these stories at the same time. Like, I love them both. And yet, I noticed Jesus was challenging the guys, the 12 guys, he's like, you love and speak, now it's time to serve. But over here we've got Martha, and he's like, you love to serve, but now what do you got to do? You got to learn, because you, you might need to speak on my behalf, right? It's almost like opposite problems, not problems, but opposite parts of their lives that still need growth, right? They're all disciples of Jesus, all followers, and here just saying like, Here's the ways you need to grow. The 12 was ready to just like learn and keep digging in and mulling over the scriptures with Jesus. And he's like, okay, we've learned a lot. Now let's go live it. And with Martha, she's like, I'm just doing all the things. And he's like, soak it in. Dig back into scripture with me. You can do this too. So Martha's blessing and burdens was that she had to get out of her comfort zone, didn't she? It was comfortable for her to be behind the scenes or to be doing the things and action and keep moving and Jesus is like step into here learn gain my wisdom now we talked about many people here at Echo who serve but also I just want to say thank you because I know some of you the behind the scenes stuff is easy that's your comfort zone but sometimes we've asked you to try new things And maybe that was a little intimidating. Some people, you might never want to like lead a small group or stand up here on stage and preach. That's okay. But there's been times where I've said, can you read scripture for us? And that requires you to read it ahead of time, soak in God's word and pray over how to communicate that to others. And that's that's a little bit of, of effort there. That may not always feel comfortable, but thank you for those of you who've said yes. You may... You may have prayed for others because you realize, like, I don't like praying out loud here, but I can sit with another friend at Echo and pray out loud with that one person because you've taken in the wisdom. You've sat at Jesus' feet like Mary, and when, it's, when you've been called to speak up, you speak, even when that's not the most comfortable thing for you. And some of you may not feel like a natural teacher, not doing the amazing job day in and day out of teaching others. But when we've said, hey, we've got some awesome kids back there. And I think you've learned enough of the Bible. You know, you know some basic stories. You can, you can go back and teach them. And you've said yes. Even though that requires sacrifice of time for you, you've got to read the Bible ahead of time. You've got to prepare. Those kids are getting ready to learn this the five loaves and two fish next week. So all of your hearts are prepared. Anybody can jump in at that time, right? 
but you're caring and you're doing things that you think like, that might not be me. That might not be my most comfortable thing. And while I really like that we can read about the different ways that Jesus equips us, you can read later in, the, in other epistles about spiritual gifts. And then we think like, okay, well, this is where I'm strong. And that's great. But we're also sometimes required to do what we're weak at. And I don't like that. That's not comfortable. It's like, it's because I don't feel confident. I'm like, well, if I want to do something, I want to do it well. So I don't like doing the things that I don't know how to do. Anybody else? Like, that's just not the most comfortable. But Jesus keeps demonstrating that he'll provide. Just like daily bread, he'll provide us resources and skills and talents to do what needs to be done. We'll learn something new. So we keep asking every week. We read this scripture and we think, how do we live? What does this mean to us? How do we live as the redeemed people of Jesus? It's just to accept that we're going to have both blessings and burdens as followers of Jesus. But let's take it on. Let's be willing to carry it. Let's be willing to do the things that make us uncomfortable. But you know what? My burden might be your blessing and vice versa. So we are a team. If I need to do something, I know I can call on you to say, how do I do it? I'm being asked to do this. Can you help me? We're together. We're going to sharpen each other's skills. We're going to give each other the courage and the confidence to take on new tasks for God's kingdom. The blessing is Jesus is worth imitating. He's worth following. The burden is that it requires sacrifice. Sometimes we sit with people and we sit with their pain. And that's a burden that we carry with them. And sometimes we get to rejoice in their victories. But we do so together. We're not alone. We're the family of God. And so whether we're suddenly planning a meal, a giant party for thousands, if we're just being asked to dig into God's word a little deeper together, we can do it together. Together. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for blessing our lives, for just giving us those moments of joy where we know we can keep going. Because it's hard. January is hard. Winter is hard sometimes. God, thank you for giving us moments of joy to just give us energy for the next day. And thank you for giving us strength when it's our turn to carry burdens with other people. Thank you for giving us that task. That's an honor. It's an honor for us to carry things with others, even when it's difficult. Equip us, God. Equip us with one another. Help us to sharpen one another. Thank you that we don't do it alone. Open our eyes this week and show us what we need to do to keep serving, to keep honoring you with our actions and our words. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org.
Have a great week.